Welcome to St Anthony's Look to the World. This is our podcast where we aim to bring together alumni and fellows to discuss the great issues of our time. My name is Martin Rush and I'm an MPhil in Modern Middle Eastern Studies from 2015 and today I'm joined by Adam Poramadi who was in my class. He's gone on to become producer at CNN Digital Productions and he's really on the front line of news reporting at the moment and we're going to have a fascinating discussion about how he got into this but also how he has reported on some of the big issues such as the coronavirus what the role is of news in our society today and also how you could get involved if this if taking up the torch of news making is something that you'd like to do you can find all of our previous podcasts on our soundcloud and our social media watch out for future editions and as always feedback is welcome without further ado let's bring on adam so Adam, thank you so much for joining us. And I think the first question we should always begin with here is, how are you and where does this crisis currently find you? Uh, well, thank you so much for having me, Martin. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, this crisis currently finds me in Texas. I've been uh, quarantining with my parents here for the better part of the last two months. Uh, but in normal times, I'm uh, based in New York, uh, where I work for CNN. Um, but, you know, being in Texas is a little bit warmer and uh, there's some more nature. so. It's a good place to be for right now. So I remember very well and uh, very, our very happy times together in the Middle East Centre in St. Anthony's. What was your journey from St. Anthony's to CNN? Yeah, I, I do miss uh, the Middle East Centre and, and some of that burnt coffee um, <laughs> with you guys. But um, my journey from St. Anthony's to CNN probably begins before St. Anthony's. So I went to undergrad in Washington, D.C. and studied international relations. Um, and began working for Al Jazeera English in 2011. And so that was kind of the height of the Arab Spring. Um, I was actually working on a project in Doha in October 2011 when news of uh, Gaddafi's death came into the newsroom. And so it was just a really fascinating time to be working on the Middle East and uh, at a news organization like Al Jazeera English. Um, and so I worked there for about a, about a year, and then I went to work for the Huffington Post in New York in 2012, and I helped launch their online uh, digital video platform called HuffPost Live. So I worked there for about two years, and then I worked for Vice News for about a year before uh, coming to Oxford. And I really, you know, Oxford was a great experience in terms of, you know, really diving into Middle East politics and, and learning a region in depth. And I think, you know, it's that kind of subject matter expertise that really benefits a lot of journalists, especially in the digital sphere. Um, and after St. Anthony's, uh, I had a great time. Those two years were, were really wonderful. Um, I wanted to stay in the UK, but it was you know difficult to find a visa at that time. Brexit had just happened and um, you know lots of shifting uh, political winds. So I came back to New York and kind of freelanced for a couple of years at some smaller news, organiza news organizations and then had an opportunity to join CNN Digital Productions uh, in the summer of last year, 2019. Um, so I've been with CNN for about a year now, um, and I work on a show called Go There, which um, provides a lot of kind of in-depth, more narrative storytelling, focusing on really interesting subjects who kind of embody different social issues. And so it's a, it's a really unique space where we can kind of tell longer form stories, uh, usually six to eight minutes long, um, but really provide a more immersive experience. So really showing what it feels like to be in a place and also combine different methods of storytelling and, and digital storytelling, whether that's 
um, mobile first, you know, kind of selfie style video or video diary type formats, um, but also combining that with, you know, higher quality um, filming and editing that that CNN can provide. So what uh, I mean, why do you think digital news in particular is important at a time like this? Um, it's been really amazing to see how digital news as an industry has transformed over the last 10 years. I think when I began working with Al Jazeera English, you know, the big buzzword was the democratization of media and, you know, social media and everyone having a camera and being on Twitter and being able to report the news. Um, and today, I think what we're seeing is, you know, the way that crises like the coronavirus or racism um, is impacting so many different areas of people's lives. And I think digital news production really allows people to, again, dive in depth and to uncover stories that, you know, traditional media network newspaper columns might not have the space for. Um, and so I think it's that nuance that digital news can provide that's, that's really important right now. So you're talking a lot there about some of the opportunities and some of the kind of the benefits that digital news provides. I mean, is, are there any challenges that come with that particular medium? Yeah, definitely. I think verification, um, misinformation, disinformation are very prevalent in, in digital news. And it's important as producers, as journalists, to be aware of that and to, um, you know, really do a good job of checking your sources, checking, you know, where this content where this information is coming from what is the sort of intent behind it if you can establish intent um but i think at the same time you know the opportunities are that you can connect with people all over the world and really bring in new perspectives and new ideas that might be more difficult to air on tv or um in a newspaper column so which productions ha have you been most proud of so far and, and why is that yeah, um, I think digital productions at CNN is, is such a unique place in that we do have more time and more space to give voices that might not otherwise be heard. I think, um, you know, one of the first stories I did was on coal miners in in Kentucky coal country um, who are transitioning to work on solar and renewable energy. And I think that was a really interesting look at, you know, how this kind of legendary industry coal miners in the American imagination um, are adapting to their times and, you know, sort of this unlikely place, Eastern Kentucky, a lot of, there's a lot of investment going on into solar and renewable energy. And so, yeah, I think, I think one of the interesting things about that story is, you know, Pike County where we were voted, I think nearly 80% for Trump in the 2016 election. And yet, you know, this is a place that is sort of embracing the ideas of the Green New Deal and, and kind of recognizing how solar and renewable energy could transform um, where they live. And I think one of the big things that they uh, talked about was that, you know, it's not the, the coal itself. It's that, you know, Eastern Appalachia is a energy producing area. And so I think that was an important thing to tease out. And then I think another story that I did in Ohio um, was looking at um, harm reduction kits. And it was a mom who her son had been um, addicted to drugs for the better part of his life. And he was, he became a, a harm reduction advocate. So kind of the safe use of, um, of drugs as a, as a way to, you know, open up to treatment and to kind of 
you know, start the healing process. Um, and he actually relapsed and was in jail. And then the mom started this kind of harm reduction program providing um, clean syringes and naloxone, which can reverse the effects of an overdose. And so that was a really interesting story where, you know, it's a place where local government is kind of failing. You know, they're not um, providing the services that could really help these these people. Um, and this mom, out of the love for her son and, you know, seeing how this community was hurting, uh, really stepped in to to provide a service. And those two videos I can vouch for are absolutely brilliant. And I'll make sure they're posted in the description. Um, <laughs> Thank you. One, no, that's all right. But one video that you produced in January on the coronavirus in Wuhan has been viewed, I believe, uh, 210 million times on Facebook and shared by 1.4 million people. So how did that piece come to be made? And did you anticipate the nature of the story that you were breaking there? Yeah, it's a really fascinating video. I think so one of the other aspects of um, the show Go There that I work on is that we can really tap into the wide international network of CNN correspondents. And so typically, when a correspondent goes out into the field with their camera person, um, they record lots of footage. And, you know, the typical TV package might only be a minute and a half or three minutes long. And so they have all of this extra footage. And what we can do in digital is kind of turn that into a mini documentary. And so, um, you know, it was mid-January, we first started getting wind of coronavirus in this, not insignificant, but kind of unknown city in, in central China. Um, and our correspondent was heading there and we asked them to, you know, record kind of video diary style, um, selfie style video on the way. And so I think that combination of you know, high quality CNN journalism with the sort of digital native format um, really resonated with our audiences. And it's also the journey. I mean, you're, you're really going along with our correspondent as they're entering Wuhan, as they're exploring the, the live market uh, outside it. It was shut down at that point. Um, and so you're really getting a sense of what it's like to be there. And then, of course, we didn't know this, but um, while he was there, they started to shut down the city and so it was it then became a scramble to get that correspondent out and so i think you know also that that sense of um suspense kind of builds into the video and then i think we didn't know that it was going to be we didn't anticipate the nature of the story as we were covering it i think um when it really the views started you know ticking up and and going viral that's when we kind of realized that there's massive interest in this story and i think that makes sense because you know, the SARS epidemic of the early 2000s is still really prevalent in the, the psyche of, of that region. And, um, you know, our video was able to show probably one of the first videos kind of looking at Wuhan um, and the countries around China who have access to Facebook and could view it. I think there was a, a real hunger for that. Um, and so I think that was one of the reasons why it, it really took off as well. So how has uh, covering this particular crisis been di different from other news events that maybe you've been involved with? That You mentioned the Arab Spring earlier. And since then, mm -hmm. you know, nine years of, uh, of, of, of kind of events and crises. What is different about this crisis from a news perspective? I think what's different is just how widespread and global coronavirus is. It touches upon every single aspect of life. I mean, you could go back the last year and look at every person that we've interviewed and there would be a story there about how coronavirus has impacted them and so i think it's 
the, the breadth, the scope of that as a story is, is what's different. Um, and it's trying to also find what are the most important facts to report, what are the most important stories to report um, throughout the pandemic. And have you, what's the nature of the feedback you've been getting from your, uh, from your listeners and your viewers who are kind of stuck at home? Has it been a different experience, do you think, consuming the news during a, a lockdown? Yeah, I mean, I just anecdotally, I mean, I can remember my, you know, the first couple of weeks in lockdown and just being glued to my phone as kind of the only source of <laughs> information to the outside world. And I think that that has also translated um, to, to CNN and the audiences. Um, and, you know, we're also working from home right now in digital, and we're also trying to figure out new ways of, of storytelling um, that's safe for us, but also that is getting people's stories out. Um, there was an early story that I did on how unemployment is affecting um, people affected by coronavirus. And so, you know, interview, getting a, a wide range of voices of people who have been impacted by this is really important as well. You know, it's not just the, at the time in March, you know, the daily press briefing, it's, you know, looking at how this is actually impacting people on the ground. So just uh, just kind of zooming out a little bit from this uh, this crisis, what do you think is the role of news and uh, a news organization in society today? Yeah, it's a great question. I think news has always been to cover what is going on, uh, you know, to shine a light on stories and people who, um, you know, are a part of society, who are a part of of the public. And so I think that's so important today, um, given kind of the polarization of society, um, to really find stories and to find people that, you know, can speak to certain issues, but who also can um, portray uh, what it's like to live that. The big, I guess, one of the big things that a news organization like CNN trades on is, is, is trust. And how can news producers like yourself work to establish trust in what some people have called a post-truth era? Yeah, it's, it's a really important question. I think there's a lot of debates um, occurring in newsrooms right now about that, especially in, in regards to racism and, you know, the George Floyd protests. I think the the traditional values of journalism have always been um, to be unbiased and fair. And, you know, I think post-truth, fake news, a lot of these terms, they're, they're essentially getting at how power is used. Um, by people in office and you know unfortunately i think some of those older um values might not apply in, in those eras and so i think it's an important discussion of how do you cover systems that don't respect those norms um and i think by sticking to by taking a stance by saying you know we don't we call out racism we call out human rights abuses that you know, inherently creates trust with an audience. But I think it's also, you know, reporting the facts, letting the audience make their own conclusions and assumptions as well. I mean, do you think, um, just on that, I mean, do you think that news is inevitably always going to be a partisan kind of affair in a, in a sort of contest, contested uh, society like a, a democracy? Or, or do you think actually we can have and we should have kind of shared assumptions, shared frameworks that we need to sort of hold in order for this, for democracy to work? Um, I don't agree that it 
needs to be a partisan affair. I think it becomes partisan when you have people in power who are turning journalists into the enemy of the people. I think you ha- it becomes a partisan affair when you have people in power using that power to discredit um, facts or truths that they don't believe with believe in. Um, I think if you have people in power who do share those assumptions and frameworks, then that relationship functions smoother. But I think also the role of the journalist and journalism is to uh, question power and to, um, you know, kind of break that uh, information bubble that maybe people in power um, have. And so I think it it doesn't need to be partisan, but I think there, it, it shouldn't also be a, a cozy relationship either. You're very much on the on on the front line of these of these issues. Um, do you think now is a good time or a bad time to be getting getting into journalism? Uh, I think it's always a great time to get into journalism. I think there is always a need to cover what is going on in the world. I think there's a need for people with um, a wide variety of backgrounds to bring that perspective to covering what's going on in the world. I think we need more diversity in newsrooms. I think we need more perspectives in, in covering. Um, you know, what's happening in the world. Um, you know, I encourage people to read widely to, you know, bring their own experiences, but also try and, and challenge those experiences and to, um, you know, believe what they see, but not always see what they believe, I think is, is, an, is an important um, guiding principle. Well, that's great. I think you've issued a great sort of uh, call to arms there. So let's say someone is... <laughs> Is listening who wants to wants to f- follow in your footsteps what advice would you give an aspiring well either an aspiring journalist or newsmaker or, or filmmaker who, who might currently be at St Anthony's or, or elsewhere in our audience who, who might want to uh, take up that uh, that challenge what advice would you have for them yeah I think it's, it's always important to follow your passion you know follow what uh, topics you're interested in really dive into those topics research them learn about them um, and then if you know, you're creative and you want to share what you've learned, you know, figure out a way to um, do that, whether it's, you know, via a podcast or if it's more visual, like a video, um, or if you're you're a great writer, then, you know, start a blog, write, um, you know, a guest column or something like that. I think it's just really important to put yourself out there and take risks. Um, and, you know, St. Anthony's is, is a great place to do that. I think, you know, the 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 sort of forum of exchanging ideas and knowledge is is amazing and it's you know one of the most cosmopolitan colleges at Oxford for that I think just the diversity of, of thought that exists there is is really unique um, and so I think you know just engaging with people in college who you might not normally interact with um, is a great way to uh, start and get involved. Great, Adam. That's been absolutely. Uh inspiring to listen to and uh i want to thank you so much for your for your time thank you so much for having me i I hope to see you in oxford soon absolutely i hope you agree that was a really interesting conversation with adam about not just making news but the importance and relevance of it in our society today i've been martin rush and you can find out all of our previous podcasts on our soundcloud our social media and we would really welcome any feedback or suggestions at alumni.office at sant.ox.ac.uk take care